What's everyone's favorite Pokemon, though? That's a good question. I don't... You still know some of them. I know. You have a favorite. I like the Egypt cat. Oh, she Meowth? Likes... A Persian? Uh, no, Meowth. Oh. I don't think she ever saw a Persian. Yeah, I did. You did? Persian's better. It's way it's more, more Egyptian than more Meowth. More like a cat. Yeah. But Egypt cat is Meowth. Oh. I don't know if we've talked about this on this podcast at all, but <laughs> Megan has her own name for pretty oh, much yeah. every Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, not every Pokemon. Every Pokemon that Megan has seen yeah. has yeah. its own name, and she does it just to frustrate me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I heard about this uh, when we went to Gen Con. They all went, we all went to Gen Con together. Right. And they, they were talking about this, and I'm like, we should do a podcast about that. <laughs> like, we should do a podcast where we just show Megan the outline or picture of a Pokemon she doesn't know, and she'll name it, and then we will just laugh about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we re- record like one or I don't remember what we, we just did, did one we it didn't, didn't work. work it didn't work out that well <laughs> yeah but uh alas there's a lot of Pokemon we could still do like uh like Vulpix which is the little Firefox mm-hmm. Megan calls that one 50s lady <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep. that's what it looks like that's uh, so good and um there's the uh, Weedle she calls birthday hat guy yep <laughs> Birthday hat guy. Uh-huh. There's a dirt penis. Dirt penis. That's Diglett. Diglett yeah. That one was my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, oh man, there's so many more that I can't, oh, a Magikarp she calls dead fish. Yeah. Because it just kind of flops Aww. around. Looks like a dead yeah. fish. It does. Yeah, it does it very does. much. So. I mean, dying fish. Everything, yeah. The yeah. thing about all of her names is they're very apt. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, I have a hard time not talking to her about them and using her terms yeah, for them. Yeah, good. Which is upsetting to me. It's very upsetting to me. <laughs> it's funny to me. Yeah. Well, there was, uh, uh, oh, what was the, the fluffy tiger thing? Oh, fluff tiger dog? Fluff tiger Arcanine? dog. Arcanine? Uh, yes, Arcanine uh, was fluff tiger dog. And there's meatball guy, meatball arms? Meatball with arms. Oh, meatball with that was arms. Geodude. Geodude. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Meatball with arms. Yeah. <laughs> meatball with arms. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They're a bunch, but I can't remember them. Yeah. Because right she doesn't care about Pokemon. Yeah. She doesn't no. care. I try. That's why she can't remember. But that's why it's so funny. Care. Those names are great. That's uh, great. Yeah, it is funny, though, when Jordan starts using those names and he yeah. gets real upset. That's, that's what's funny. I don't think it's that funny. <laughs> oh, Ekans. That was the other one. Pink pile of poop. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, you got some weird poop. Pink pile of poop. <laughs> Let's do an episode, guys. Okay. okay. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, we are Experience Pointers. Uh, we are a collection of three people. <laughs> Collect us all. <laughs> Mint in box. Grab, grab. <laughs> do your Pokemon call. Dan, Jordan. <laughs> George, Jordan! Can I just say Megan over and over again? Yeah, but... Yeah, but you have to say... You have to break up your name in weird ways. Like Meghan? No, no, like, you have to break it up. Like, you, you'd be like, like... You'd be like, Han, Megahan! Sometimes you double it, like, Meghan Han! Meghan Han! Why would I do these weird things? That's what things? Pokemon That's do. The, those are the just rules. Just forget it. Those are the rules. See, she doesn't understand. We she are a collection of people who think they're Pokemon, <laughs> and we like to talk about RPGs uh, on this podcast, and, uh, yeah, I guess we should go through names now. Who are you? I'm Han Jordan. Who are you? I'm Megan. I'm just Megan. Okay, you don't have to scream at us. I'm Grav, the Pokemon Master. Um, and today... Today's episode is actually brought to you by our official sponsor, uh, Ben Danish. Yay! That's right. Today's episode of Experience Pointers is brought to you by Ben Danish. And the Ben Danish pun of the sode, which today is... Where do frat house members look for gold? Um, Anyone? Where do frat house members look for gold? I mean... 
at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> rainbow. Rainbow. All right, that guy. Uh, we also would have accepted rainbow. 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 But it's rainbow. 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 Like That's a different thing. So that was the Ben Danish pun of the show. Thanks, Ben Danish. Thank Thanks, you. Ben Danish. Your continued support. Um, today's episode is uh, part three of our three-part series called Breaking the Mold, where we take uh, all the D&D classes and break down the stereotypes associated with them and uh, kind of come up with fun new ideas that you can play them as in your games. Um, and today we are going to do Monk, Paladin, Ranger, Sorcerer. That's right. We saved the best for last. Best <laughs> for last. Yep. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Actually, we saved these for last because these are the hardest ones for yep, us. Yes, that is why we saved them for last. And uh, you'll, you'll understand in a moment why. Uh, gotta stretch these pretty far. Gotta stretch these pretty far. Um, so, uh, usually we start by... There we go. Let's be upfront about how much time <laughs> we're gonna try and fill. No, let's not do that. Um, so, you, uh, how we do this usually is we'll talk about the class first and then talk about a few pop culture references that kind of... Think you think of when you think of that class. We also just talk yeah. about like what the stereotype for the D and D class uh-huh. is, like what yes. the image is. Right, and then we break that mold with some options that we give you to use in your games. Yeah, mm-hmm. some some new ways of thinking about them, some new spins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's get started. Let's okay. do it. Number one, monk. 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 Yeah. So obviously, the one we all think of as a monk is that TV show called Monk. It's that yes. guy, right? I think of Tony oh, Shalhoub yeah. as an obsessive compulsive detective. <laughs> Yeah, for me, that's what we all think of. No, no, no. Good bit, baby. No, thanks, monks thanks. are your monks are your like uh, the stereotype of the monk is like your uh, your kung fu movie like mm-hmm. monastery born and born and raised uh, taught to hone their physical abilities and and powers and then go out into the world uh, righting wrongs using the way of the fist. Real quick though, how are you born in a monastery? Like, your mom gives birth to you inside of a in, monastery. Okay, because I was going to say, that would be hard otherwise. It's all monks. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, Megan is operating under the assumption that only men can be monks. Oh. No, I'm not. Well, well. I'm making a joke based on the kung fu stereotype, which does up. tend to be just men. That's true. But. Actually, taking things back to, uh, like, what the, I think the English term of, it's a, it's a Catholic mm-hmm. uh is it? Uh, tradition, Catholic? yeah. yeah, I guess yeah. So. A monastery is where monks were who were all men, and yes. then a nunnery was yes. where nuns were who were all women. Wouldn't that be crazy if in D&D there were monks or nuns? Huh. Be a monk. I'm going to be a nun. I thought a female a monk. monk was a monkess. No, nope, I think it's just monk. I think monkess sounds like something they would come up with in an 80s like Saturday morning cartoon. Like, this is our hero, Monk, and his sidekick, Monk S. <laughs> Like, we'll use that to appeal to the lady folks. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that. But that's the stereotypical anyway. monk. Yes, that is the stereotypical monk. So, so uh, an example of that actually it would be like uh, Tennyson. Ten- wait, what? Tennyson. Alfred, <laughs> Alfred Lord Tennyson. <laughs> no. uh, Tennyson. Tennyson, thank you, from uh, Cora. Uh, or I, I said Aang earlier from uh, Lost Airbender, but Aang, I guess, is a little bit... I mean, he, he, he is. I would say more accurately, like, in Aang's flashbacks, his masters were yeah. were mm-hmm. more like the stereotypical monk mm-hmm. from, from Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. yeah, I think monk is the easiest one that comes to your head about stereotypes. Like, you'll, you'll easily have a picture in your head very quickly yeah. about what a monk should be. Bald. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wearing mm-hmm. a robe. Yep, wandering um, from town to town mm-hmm. by themselves. Very quiet, keeps themselves. Doesn't want to fight. Yeah, but yeah. when they have to fight, they will yeah. just whoop the crap out of everybody. They'll surprise whooping. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
So how do we break that mold? How do we break it? How do we break it? How do we break the mold? Well, I think that uh, maybe your monk... So I was thinking of a monk who <clears throat> is basically a, a uh, street fighter or fights mm-hmm. for money. Sort of like Howl on Wild Cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind of maybe maybe learned the tradition and how to fight and then kind of not maybe disowned it or rebelled against it or... I don't know, just chose not to follow like, that. Like, learned the fighting part of being a yeah. monk, but was like, the rest of this discipline crap is not for me. Yeah, basically, and they use it for personal gain. So it's kind of, in some ways, the opposite of what a monk normally is. So like a selfish it. monk. Yeah, a selfish monk. Yeah. That lords his abilities over his opponents in the in the ring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you could have whole stories about, like, the monastery, like the monks that trained him, like kind of going after him and being like, you can't, you can't do this. You're using it for evil or for bad or I don't know. And then he like whoops the crap out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a crap whooper. Yeah. A crap Or whooper. she, as we. That's, That's right. right. Well, no, well, or, then she'd have to be a nun. Or they. Or Street ass. nun. Or, or a monk ass. Let's not drop that, okay? I think it has legs. Um, <laughs> um, this mo- fall on CBS. My idea for a monk is uh, a monk who uh, you, you've you've we've talked about a little bit is how a monk can be a pacifist, yes. but that's very hard to do in a game like D anD D where you're usually fighting something once or twice a night. So how would you play that in a game like that? And I think you would play it as the monk doesn't fight; he would just use like patient defense and all a bunch of other defensive uh, abilities to just dodge. Mm-hmm. But maybe he has something that fights for him, like a monkey. Or, I thought about this while I was thinking about that monkey part, monkey just sounds fun, Um, (laughs) is what if he has, like, uh, a spirit avatar inside of him that fights for him? Like a ghost double, almost. Can he really still count himself as a pacifist, though, if he has trained a monkey or a spirit or releases his spirit avatar to fight for him? Isn't that being like, I don't kill people, this gun kills people? Can't you, okay, sure. Can't you just fight, though, and try to um, just knock people out and never actually kill them? You you can do that. that Yeah, Yeah, you You could... could you could fight without we, killing. A non-lethal, yeah. We played in a game that where someone was a pacifist, and they were essentially like a monk, and that's what they did. They just wouldn't kill. But w- would they be okay with other people in the party killing? They uh, weren't super happy about it, I feel like, but they didn't necessarily like go, well, now we can't be friends. I'm not for sure. the purposes of table cohesion. Yeah. Right, right. It was just, well, and that was one of those games in which the party was all shoved together for a larger purpose. So. Oh, well, and here's a good example. Uh, think of uh, Morgan from The Walking Dead after he learns mm-hmm. Aikido and comes back to like Rick's people. And he's like strictly pacifist, like he'll fight defensively. Um, but he, he won't kill, and he... He is, kills the crap out of zombies, though. Right. But he's trying to convince all of the other people that there's a better way. So that might be why oh. he travels with the party, to be like, no, look, you can you yeah. can fight without killing. I like that That's a lot. what I do. You should do it, too. So yeah, he's there to, like, proselytize his, his way. Yeah, pass on the teachings of his monastery or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, that's like kind of that. cool. I think, I think, to me, that resonates a bit more than training a monkey, too. Uh, 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 I'm going to just disagree with you there. Okay. I think having a, a helper monkey that fights for you... Uh, a blind monk you, with a helper monkey that exactly. fights for him. You could exactly. call the monkey monkess. <gasps> Coming oh, this fall on CBS. <laughs> He's a blind monk who's a pacifist. His monkey is angry and knows kung fu. Together, they'll solve the wackiest crimes this side of the forgotten realm. <laughs> right after American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> That's the lead-in for it? <laughs> it's a pretty good lead-in, trust me. 
Okay. What about you, Jordan? I I think uh, Monk as loose cannon cop. I think Monk as like the like sort of like a uh, a member of the town's guard or the town militia or 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 something that is like no, I'm not going to use my my uh, standard issue spear and stuff. I fight with my hands. And also, like I, we were talking about, quivering palm, sure, which is which is kind of like one of your like super high level monk abilities, where you can set up sympathetic vibrations in someone and then choose to basically kill them at any point after that. Um, and I was saying, it, I think it only really works as like an intimidation or coercion tactic. And I think that would be so awesome to do with a loose cannon cop monk. Be like, ha, buh, quivering palm. All right, now tell us what we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> or ten days from now, I'm going to murder you in front of your family. <laughs> like, don't leave town, you know? Like, that's that's the kind of thing you could do with a with a monk. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the, the, the John McClane monk, essentially. Mm-hmm. Only he would never take the machine gun. Because his right. fist right. is a machine He's gun. A machine gun. Yeah. Coming this fall on yeah. CBS. Yeah, I like that a lot. Machine what, gun, monk. <laughs> machine well, gun. What if he had a monkey sidekick, though? <laughs> no. He did use a machine gun. Not, oh. not until, like, the fourth season when they're really running oh. out of ideas. And then they'd be like, no, I've always had this. <laughs> he was just at a desk job. But yeah, that's, uh, I, I think, I think kind of like, um, you, uh, almost like a monk that is not a disciplined monastic monk. But, like, someone who just, like, I don't know, reads a manual about how to be, like, a really good, like, like sort of like a mail-order monk. It's like, cool, I'm going to use this to be a super cop. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's, right. it's very 80s or 90s it, movie. It's a sound like that, yeah. 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 Um, and in Kung Fu Hustle, that is literally what happened. I love that movie. The guy in Kung Fu Hustle learned the Buddha palm technique yeah. by sending away for a flyer. So, <laughs> kind of borrowing from that. That's a great movie. Mm. Um... Okay, let's move on to the next class. All right. Okay. Paladin. Paladin. Or Paladin. I have a soft mm. spot for Paladins. My oh. first ever PC was a Paladin. Mm. The first character I ever played in D&D was a Paladin, uh, and I very much liked that character. Yeah. He died. Yeah. We talked about that in a previous episode. We did, uh, yeah. episode. Oh, we did. What was his name? Irik Masterson. Oh. Irik Masterson. And he had what I thought of as a Hampshire accent at the time. Mm. <laughs> That's um, funny. So, what's some pop culture mo- uh, paladins? Oh uh, well, we—I <clears throat> mean, uh, Captain America, right? Mm-hmm. The, we were actually just talking about this. Would would Neo or anybody from the Matrix be a paladin? No, I don't think so. Those no? guys are all super like. Well, uh, maybe Agent Smith. He follows a code. Well, that's what I'm. No, but like, he breaks from that. At, he at does the, in the first movie, though. But that it seems like he's no. In the first movie, he's he. The whole thing is he's he's like I'm stifled under this code. Here's what we're supposed to do, but the actual thing is that <laughs> I think this is the worst. <laughs> um, anyway, it was just a thought. In the I don't think anyone head. from uh, no. Maybe Morpheus. That's sort of what I was thinking, like Ooh. Morpheus or. You know, because so 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 this is sort of what we're talking about, though. Is that sure, Morpheus? Yes, because he is motivated by his such strong belief in right. the prophecy so of the one. The idea, and this is something that actually I feel like uh, we sort of had different ideas on, because in my mind, a paladin is someone who follows a code, but mm-hmm. there's also sort of a a oh no, a pal- paladin is someone who follows a god. Yeah, that's it's, what I think. I think of yeah. holy paladins. So every time I think of a paladin. Yeah, yeah that is the stereotype. The stereotype right. is a holy warrior, like, based sure. on the crusaders from the Middle mm-hmm. Ages. Right. Like, I am out here fighting for my god. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but 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 they can they can uh, fight for concept. Mm-hmm. So it, sure to me, it's yeah, someone with a strong. Code. I like how Waffle. you jumped from Captain America to the Matrix. <laughs> like Captain America, but obviously, but what about the Matrix? <laughs> but that's what's kind of cool about it is you can kind of see like yeah, yeah Morpheus and Captain America are completely different. Yeah. But and then there's obviously the really obvious example is Hercules. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hercules. Hercules from yeah. Hercules, the legendary journey. That's yeah. what yeah. you guys are saying. Come on, he's he's a demigod and he's a paladin. Come on, he's not. He's he a is. goofball. No, my pick is Superman. The obvious choice. Disappointed. <laughs> Superman, you guys. Yeah. Superman is like by far like he has uh, most most notably of like any superhero a code that he will not break that he lives by and like that's but doesn't batman also have that code batman does have a code but if you think of if you think of like the superhero who has like the moral code people think of superman like batman will break legs and stuff superman doesn't do that you know he'll be like i didn't kill you but i did paralyze you for the rest of your life it depends on which movie you're watching yeah also true well yeah yes (laughs) Um, but, yes. but but you know, uh, I guess the the meta version yeah. of Superman, the American is, Dream Superman is this unimpeachable vert, like yes. beacon of virtue. You talked about Batman though being like a, a vengeance. Wait, was that something else? A vengeance no, no, paladin. we were because in Five E there's the um, option for a vengeance paladin, and a vengeance paladin is very much Batman, <laughs> like like swearing an oath of vengeance. Mm-hmm. That's Batman. Yeah, and yeah. he also has a code, like you guys said. Yeah, but. Those are those are those are the the pop culture things. So mm-hmm. so let's break the paladin mold. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so if we're going with a code, mm-hmm. uh, think about like a mom. Okay, I'm who's out about to a mom. Pro- <laughs> who's out to protect her kids. So okay. so you know there would be sort of a story there like I don't know like somebody kidnapped her kids <gasps> and she's on a journey to go she's, and get them back. She's Liam Neeson. She'll stop. <laughs> she'll stop the CBS show. <laughs> she'll yes. She'll stop at nothing to get her kids back. This fall on CBS, <laughs> her kids were taken, but she swore an oath of vengeance to get them back and punish those who took them from her. She's Batman. But just think about it, like your stereotypical, you know, like soccer mom, sure, you know, who's like, it's all about my kids, I'm gonna take care of my kids. Nobody say anything bad about my kids. So here's my question about this <laughs> this character concept. Mm-hmm. Are her kids always with her? No, no, somebody kidnapped them. She's searching for so her she's kids. out there to get her kids back. So yeah. what is the code that she follows? Don't take my kids? <laughs> don't, no, don't become as bad as the people who took her kids. Don't take my kids or I will kill you. So I'm picturing her as like an 80s era, like Nancy Reagan-esque, like, don't do drugs. (laughs) Stay in school and give me my kids back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, soccer mom the paladin. Yeah. Why not? That's an interesting concept. Her code is like, you know, uh, moral code. Whatever Mm -hmm. her moral code is of, this is how you should behave. (laughs) Brush your teeth. (laughs) Brush your teeth. Follow your curfew. Eat your vegetables. (laughs) She just mothers everyone in the party. <laughs> yes. yeah. That's actually, that's a really fun idea that for a, a paladin. Idea. I like that. I think like, paladins sometimes do feel like the mothers of the party, actually. Oh, definitely. So, when I played a paladin. Like, making I, them literally the mother is actually a good idea. Yeah. yeah. I very much felt like that yeah. as, a, as a paladin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. I'm kind of more on board with that now. <laughs> I, like I know I balked initially when you, you brought that up, but now that you've explained it more, I'm like, okay, I can get behind soccer. Thank you. Do you have a better idea for a paladin, Jordan? Uh, I have an interesting idea for a paladin. Let's hear it. So it's it's a pretty standard paladin. 
um, but instead of following a, uh, a god or something like that, or I guess it could be a god, but I like a, a paladin that follows the idea of balance. So this kind of takes it back to like second edition AD&D. Like this would be like a true neutral paladin. Mm -hmm. So this would be very, very hard to play. You would have to have the right table and the right group of players. But this would be a paladin who would be like, no, remember we saved those people yesterday. So I am going to let these people die because mm -hmm. that's two deaths for two lives we saved. Balances, uh, like balances his, his whole thing. He's trying to maintain a, a balance. So like... Fighting evil, sure, if evil becomes too strong, it's time to fight it. But he would also fight a kingdom of, like, good, kind people that became too strong as well. Because he'd be like, no, gotta maintain... Honestly, he would kind of be like what the Jedi were supposed to be. You know, oh, sure. what a Force user was, like, like op, uh, trying to achieve true equilibrium in the universe would be his goal. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is unachievable, but he would do his darndest to help sure. out in small ways. Saved a kid yesterday. <clears throat> that means this one yeah. who's drowning in the lake Can't right yes. now. No, Sorry, guys, guys, don't help him. Don't a, help him. But a great spell, but... It depends upon how literal he takes it. If it's like a kid for a kid, or if it's like, save that kid, gotta kill this puppy. Like, you know, what's the... No, what's I, the I, yeah, I don't think it'd be kid for a kid, but life for a life. Yeah, I, I, I well, do then, think something like that. Couldn't you take that... I mean, sure, then you start to get into the like good and evil balance, but couldn't you be like, well, I'm gonna kill those two guys who just tried to steal that lady's purse mm -hmm. but we saved these two kids who fell in the river absolutely but huh. he if true balance if that was his if that was his goal yeah you could kind of his party members could maybe justify things to him that way but that wouldn't necessarily be his justification yeah. they'd be like no no remember we're stopping these orcs because they slaughtered this whole tribe of settlers he's like okay yeah we yeah. have to we have to even the scales you've got me for seven orcs and then i'm done right <laughs> i'm gonna stop fighting immediately so he would kind of like be like the Hulk of uh, of this group in a way. Like they would be like, okay, all right, here we're gonna point you at these guys, but then stop. Then then you stop. <laughs> yeah, and the Hulk really cares about balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Hulk. That does. is known. There's two things Hulk wants: to be left alone and perfect balance in the universe. Yeah. I think it'd be fun role playing this character, just him having a like you as a person having a journal and marking down this like tallies. Like, yeah, <laughs> literally tally. Like, okay, did this many good thing. This many people got to die tomorrow. Stopped a robbery, so now I have to steal something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it could be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of flies in the, in the face of like the morally upright standard power. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I dig that a lot. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next class. Ranger. 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 So in pop culture, I think of Legolas. Yeah, and I said Aragorn. Aragorn, yeah. yeah. Aragorn and Legolas both have a lot of like stereotypical ranger um, mm -hmm. things. Um, I, I believe we also mentioned uh, Walker, Texas. Walker, Texas. <laughs> Walker, Texas. <laughs> the who, best ranger. Yes, who notably um, could detect a plane crash just by tasting soil. Hey, didn't you meet that guy? Yeah, one time. How was that? What did you say to him? It was pretty. It was fine. It's really not worth mentioning. Didn't he give you a quarter or nope. something? Did you eat the quarter? So, uh, <laughs> like the stereotypical ranger, though, like the stereotype is like a like a guy that has a wolf as a pet and lives in the woods. Yep. Yeah. And uh, protects the woods and all of the denizens of the woods. Or is like some sort of traveler. I think of them as travelers yeah, too. Yeah, like a, Ra like a ranger. Tra I mean. A traveler and a tracker yeah. or like mm -hmm. a wilderness guide for hire kind of thing. Survivalist like. maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a mountain man. Mountain man. Someone who lives by themselves out like... Hermit. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. All of those things are pretty stereotypical ranger things. Mm -hmm. So let's smash him with a hammer. Let's smash him. Okay. All right, here's my idea, guys. Okay. Hear me out. Lay don't, it on us. Don't call it crazy before you hear it out. Okay. Uh, okay. 
Urban Outfitters. Wait, Urban Outfitters? Sorry, Urban Ranger. There we go. Okay. And that a ranger sense. that lives in urban areas. Okay. And is very good with uh, everything that comes with that. Now that I think about this, I actually have a way to expand that. What if he was almost literally Batman? He was a masked crusader of a city. Okay. But he was very much a ranger, so he knew how to get around. He knew sh- secrets and shortcuts. He, he has, has a grappling Sherlock. hook. He has a grappling hook. What? He's Sherlock. Sherlock knows London really well. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. like, talking about the show specifically, yeah. he knows it so well and, and that he kind can, of has like, a memorized map of the city. Yeah. Sure. He, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. 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 I, there is actually a scene where he runs on foot and cuts off a car because he knows all of the right paths to take yeah. and which way the car's going to go. Like, that's yeah. very ranger. That's yeah. the yeah. most ranger. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty He's urban an ranger. urban ranger. Yeah, sure. So, Holy yeah, crap. Like a Batman Green Arrow-type-esque ranger. Ooh, Green Arrow is a great corollary yes. for an urban ranger. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That'd be really cool. Yeah. So he, he maybe only protects that area and doesn't really care about the woods or anything, but protecting from crime and maybe it's an area that's filled with a like a mob or a mafia type uh maybe there's a bunch of goblins that have created a mafia oh my gosh green arrow is a hundred percent you're an an urban ranger like as you're talking about this i'm like all i can think of is yeah yeah that's that's really cool so would you have um like 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 grappling arrows and and stuff like arrows for sure absolutely i i made a DD character for a one-off that we played on Barky's Brigade, actually, that was essentially a Batman Green Arrow hybrid, and that was a lot of fun. So that's pretty cool. Expanding on that idea would be really cool. Uh, yeah, I dig that concept a lot. Actually, I think that's I think that'd be a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's my idea. Um, Thanks for not smashing it. My idea for a ranger. Um, so rangers, you think of as sort of like these quiet, withdrawn, like uh, I don't like people. I live I live with this wolf. Um, I. I think of like a big game hunter, like an obnoxious, mm-hmm. like not necessarily, but you think of like the stereotypical British big game hunter from like the 19th century. And that's, that's my ranger. So he's out there to, to track and bag the biggest, baddest prey he can. And he's super boastful about it. And he takes trophies from everything and hangs them up like either on his person or he has a lodge. Oh, cool. Where, and like when he takes people back to the lodge, he's like, yeah, this, uh, this wyvern right here gave me quite a quite a fight up in the <laughs> mountains of doom. But yeah, like he's just kind of a kind of a huge tool, mm-hmm. but he's really really good at uh, taking down big game, and that's his whole motivation is to find the next biggest baddest thing he can and take it down. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's also a fun idea for just an NPC to exist in a world. I think. Sure. Yeah, and I think we were sort of talking about this before the we started recording, but um, rangers make awesome NPCs. Yes, yes, yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I wanted to do space ranger, but uh, that was they just laughed at me. They well, laughed at it. I think that's a great idea. You laughed at well, I okay, don't think it's a great idea, but maybe it's just that I don't understand it. So anyway, instead, no, I no, can... hold on. I really want to hear more about Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear is a space ranger. Sure, yeah, Buzz Lightyear. No, Buzz Lightyear said he was so, a space ranger, but never did anything related to rangers. So, okay, here's but when I think of rangers, I think of an explorer. That's why I'm thinking space ranger. That that's what what I'm thinking. Like it's a, okay. it's a big place to explore. But what I also came up with that I also like, which honestly is the same thing to me, it's just a different medium, is scuba diver. Hmm. So it's the same thing, except that scuba diving, I mean, in space, generally speaking, there, I mean, there's less necessarily to, if you're in the void of space, to yeah. mess with and see. Sure. Uh, and a lot less oxygen, so a scuba mask wouldn't really help you up there. 
Yeah, you're just taking what I'm saying and going a complete different direction. <laughs> Thanks just, for that. I'm just wondering how a D and D ranger gets to space. <laughs> well, I mean, you get to well, like a wish spell gone wrong. Like technically, our current game in Iron Keep, we are in space. Are you and in I, space I, or are you in a spaceship? Well, I, I don't Which is know. in space. It's so in space. Hey. I thought it was. I thought it was buried underneath. We the, thought so too, but apparently beams. it's in space. Oh, well, okay. one person, one r- person, doppelganger. Someone told us it it was in space. They could be crazy. That's true. I'm um, not sure. But they but, could. My my ranger in that game is someone that explores planes, which is sort of like space in D and D. Sure. Other planes of existence. Sure. Yeah. Horizon. No, that's that's that actually. Sure. Talking about it as an explorer, that makes a lot more sense yeah. to me. I am now on board with your idea. Before, space I thought it was ranger. silly because your explanation was just saying space ranger over and over again. I mean, but now space that, ranger. Now that we've space actually... Ranger. Space, space ranger. Ranger space. Anyway, but yeah, it's the same, the same thing. Scuba, scuba diver to me is, is you know, explorer, understanding how to, to deal with the ocean and the creatures in the ocean and, and all those sort of being able to utilize them, etc. I also like the idea of like an aquatic ranger who is not from an aquatic race, like not someone who is meant to right. stay underwater, but like a human yeah. or like a land-dwelling uh, species yeah. that, um, you know, it gets really good at holding their breath for a long yeah. time, like explores underwater caves and is like a really good free swimmer. And He like, goes to town and spends all his free money on scrolls of uh, water breathing. Yeah. Like every week he's like, I gotta buy another scroll of water breathing yeah. so I could breathe underwater for a Harvest day. pearls for a living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a fun idea. Yeah. yeah. Has a pet dolphin that he's... Named Monkus. Like, named what? Monkus. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Gerald and Monkis coming this fall on CBS. Gerald? Yeah, Gerald is a really good name for a scuba diver. We got a whole lineup for you, NBC. Okay. You're welcome. No, they've all been CBS so far. Whoops! Is NBC gonna scoop Whoops. CBS on Whoops. Highest bidder. Call I've been us, guys. To NBC. Call us. Uh, no, I think that's a really cool idea, though. I like yeah. aquatic or space. I'm on board with both. All right. Cool. Well, let's move on to the final class, and I think the toughest class. Yes, mm-hmm. which is why we saved it for last. Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. And the reason this is the toughest is because when you think of sorcerer, you're probably just thinking of wizard. Yeah. Like, we originally, Megan said originally that uh, Saruman yeah. from Lord of the Rings, but that's a well, wizard, essentially. Yeah, and then Jafar calls himself a sorcerer in right. Aladdin, but he's really just a wizard. Well, okay, and, and that, that was sort of what we were discussing, is to me, I think of sorcerer as evil wizard. Right. Sure. It, a lot of times in pop culture, especially in in like I think in in like Conan the Barbarian and everything, like the bad, James Earl Jones character was like an evil sorcerer. Bav Morda in Willow is an evil sorceress. Like mm-hmm. sorcerers have a kind of evil connotation. Yes. And I think they did kind of until I think it was three point five when they were introduced in D anD D, and like that was the first time I remember seeing sorcerer as a positive thing, mm. because yeah, before then, like sorcerer was always the word for bad guy magic user. Yeah, yeah, that's how I think of a wizard. Generally, is a good guy. I mean, there might be a dark wizard, but usually, dark wizard is sorcerer. Yeah. So there are some. So you said Saruman <clears throat> as mm-hmm. a pop culture example. Uh, I said Jafar. Mm-hmm. As a pop culture example uh-huh. of a of a sorcerer, right? I don't know if I had a specific one in my head, but well, we you didn't, but we'll, maybe we should wait to talk about what we actually landed on as a good sure. pop culture example. Um, right. Let's talk about what the stereotypical sorcerer is, and there really isn't one. I mean, there yeah. sort of is, but like this concept of a sorcerer has is also relatively fresh, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, a sorcerer is someone who does not study magic. 
or or like try and like seek out arcane knowledge a sorcerer is someone who is magic they like radiate power it's an innate born thing in them right mm-hmm. um and it tends to come out in maybe unpredictable ways sometimes against their will uh, D&D 5e has the delightful wild magic sorcerer, which I now, think is a lot of fun. along those lines, because this is something we were discussing. So I said, well, then isn't Harry Potter, wouldn't he, I mean, even though he is technically a wizard, wouldn't he be a sorcerer? Because if you think about it, so you said, Jordan, that he's a wizard because he uses implements to cast spells, but he's actually, the, the, the witches and wizards in Harry Potter actually use those just to, to focus. focus them. Yeah. Otherwise, like, Harry just does ridiculous things right. without meaning Typically when to. their magic manifests, it starts it starts happening with random stuff right. happening around so them. So, yeah, he's actually. He's technically a sorcerer. I think you're right. Uh, I think Harry Potter and all of, the, uh, all of the wizards in the world of Harry Potter are technically sorcerers. Right. right. Yeah, because you have to have that innate power yes. to even be able to do they it. They are innately magic. There yes. are people, you can't. Cannot, you cannot learn magic. You either have it or you don't. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, actually, the more the the more you say that, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, so so that line is blurry, and that's sort of what we were talking about. If if we if you approach a sorcerer as ju- as as literally the the definition is innate magic, born with innate magic, mm-hmm. then that opens the door to a lot of different. Yeah. Pop culture references. Which is why it's hard to come up with a stereotypical sorcerer. Um, yeah. But we were talking before, and uh, Garav, you mentioned, basically, uh, that essentially any mutant would yeah. be a good example yeah. of a sorcerer. Yeah, and most superheroes that don't get their abilities from science or anything like that are born with them, but those are usually mutants. I mean, there's other uh, not Marvel-related things. Like in DC, there's people born with powers anyways. Yeah. Um, anybody... Metas. Right, Exactly. Would Superman be considered on Earth a sorcerer? I mean, could mm. you? Because his powers yeah. are innate on Earth. That's interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So let's think about, that's a really, okay. And this kind of goes into my concept for a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I don't know if it's so much breaking the mold as it is just a different way of thinking about them. But yeah, like you think of the arc of your sorcerer PC as sort of like a superhero origin story. So right. like level one is then basically going like, oh crap, my hands light on fire sometimes. Right. Uh, and that's very much, yes, like super, you imagine Clark first discovering he could shoot lasers out of his eyes right. and being like, mm, crap. I'm a sorcerer. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorcerer man! Yeah, there he is. Um, so yeah, I guess on Earth a Kryptonian yeah. would be a sorcerer in yeah. a lot of ways. It's yeah. a fine line, huh? It's their innate biology. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, like like anything like or like Carrie. Right. I think Carrie would be a good example of a sorcerer. You know, like or, someone or, who just starts spontaneously manifesting telekinetic abilities. Or you said this earlier: the Jedi are are essentially or right. like a force force sensitive. People right, because and that's another thing. Sources. Like you either can use the force or you can't, or you can't. use the force, yeah. and right. it's and it's not something you can be taught if you don't have the innate capability to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or if anybody has read uh, Graceling or Fire, Bitter Blue, if you haven't, you should. They're by Kristen Kishore, three books. They are really good books. But the Gracelings uh, who have are born with 
an innate ability. That, yeah, they all have horses. one innate ability that they're born with, and they're or really they're, rare, and they yes. have mismatched eyes always. Mm-hmm. But That's like, how you know. Sometimes they have super powerful graces, and sometimes their graces are like, I can bake cookies like superhumanly well. Or I can hold my breath for two minutes yeah. underwater. Wow. But then there's, for fire, there are the monsters, and the monsters are super cool, but the, they, they basically are like beautiful creatures that have the power to... Uh, to uh, Influence and compel people. And so any species can have can can uh, have a monster version of that species, which is just like this ostentatiously beautiful version of it, mm-hmm. like a tiger that has like rainbow coloration or something. Cool. But the way they hunt is they basically compel people to like give up. And they're very dangerous because of that. Like even a rat, like a monster rat, Whoa. would be super dangerous. Super cool book. Yeah. Highly recommend. Anyway, but yes, th- those would be examples of sorcery. Yeah, so like anything with that sort of like innate power. And and also, as we're talking about all of these things, a lot of these examples that we're talking about from co- pop culture are sort of different ways of thinking about yeah. a D&D sorcerer that yeah. you could use as an approach. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like if you had a, uh, a sorcerer who focused on taking spells that were all like charm person and hold person and stuff like that, you could build a monster style uh, sorcerer. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, that That'd would be, be cool. Fun. Yeah. Oh man, setting D&D game in that world would be cool. Anyway. I mean, it, it's funny because like we could do D&D or you could do... Uh, oh. oh, Savage no. World. Oh. Oh, hey, sorry, Gaurav, you were saying something. Uh, I was going to say, we're talking about superheroes that are sorcerers, but like the one example that is pretty uh, uh, I think relevant in superhero terms for sorcerers is uh, Doctor Strange. But he's yeah. actually a wizard. He is. Like, he oh, yeah. learned all this stuff from He is a 100% place. a wizard. Yeah, Scarlet a wizard. Witch is a much better yes. example of a sorcerer. Yeah, because that's a mutant, essentially. So, yeah. Well, no, she's not a mutant, because in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mutants don't exist. Oh, right. I meant the comics, sorry. Right, in the yes. comics. But yes. in the Marvel... Yeah, yeah. Let's go Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sure. Scarlet Witch. Yeah. She's a really good example of a sorcerer. Right. Uh, Doctor Strange is, yes, absolutely a wizard. But he's a Sorcerer Supreme. He is called the Sorcerer Supreme. There's your flip between Harry Potter and Doctor Strange. How strange. But that's that's kind of the thing. Pop culture doesn't allow for much of a delineation between sorcerers and wizards. They're they're just different names. It's really only D&D that I know of that has made that distinction, which is why it's kind of hard to break the mold on a sorcerer, because there isn't really a mold for a sorcerer. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe some of this stuff we talked about could help. Right? I don't know. Yeah. Take it and run. Yeah. Have fun with it. Well, I kind of feel like we're at the question, question of, of the sode. Sode. So, today, uh, our question is from the RPG Reddit. And this is from, oh, what is your name? Nubal? Uh, Nubal? Nubal. Nubal. Okay, so the question is... Not old bull, but new bull. Can I get some practical examples of what failing forward actually looks like? And so they go on to to talk about being a fairly new DM and uh, zero... They have pretty much zero experience as a player. And that the piece of advice is something that has been mentioned a few times in various DM advice threads and videos that they have seen. Uh, and that the theory sounds really great, which is the action or narrative shouldn't stop because of a failure, and that the results of failure should be interesting. Failing an action shouldn't leave players in the position they were in before the attempt. Mm -hmm. Um, But they basically say 
uh, that this makes sense in theory, but they have a really hard time actually putting it into practical, tangible examples. It's a tricky thing. Yeah. It really is. Like, it's it's one thing to talk about it from an academic perspective. It's like, yeah, this is a good way to fail forward. But it's, it's right. hard to do when you're sitting in the GM chair and you're like, oh, crap, my players didn't stop. Yeah. The bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think it's even tougher because most uh, game systems, most RPG systems, are very much a pass or fail sort yes. of thing when you yes. roll dice. Yeah. Like uh, a, a system that doesn't do that is uh, Edge of the Empire. Yes. Or Genesis now that it's slightly different, but mm-hmm. uh, they use the narrative dice system in which uh, each roll can be a success in certain degrees or a failure in certain degrees. And that, I love that system. I do too. It's such I think a great way of doing things. super elegant for so storytelling games. So if you could yeah. bring that to your game of D&D, how would you do that? You know, like where you succeed, but you have some threat there, something else there. I will say that whole idea of failing forward puts a lot on the GM's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like you basically, like your players, it's, it's always easier to be a player than it is to be a GM. That's just a given. But like your players, they only have to act you know, they, they, they think, they, they plan, they act, they react to the things you're giving them. But you have to figure out what the consequences of all of those things are, which means you have to basically be a world yeah. and figure out how the actions of your players work. And it, it can be difficult to fail forward. Like there was an example in Wild Cards, actually, in season one. One of my uh, PCs shot an ally NPC. <laughs> like, yeah. like, got offended by by well, a casual insult that was tossed out and shot them. Now, now shot at them. Shot at them, but was trying to shoot sure. them. Um, just made a bad roll and missed. But the thing was, he was he did that because he was playing his character very well. So I I, I was like, okay, yeah. So you do that. I wasn't planning on that. Um, and I just I made the NPC react horribly to him and kind of like. Uh, like just cut him, cut him off, and just walk out of his life. But from that, I went okay. So what this this NPC that he shot at is actually a pretty influential and powerful person in town. So what happens as a result of this? And from that, I came up with an entire like secret society that this NPC formed that basically dedicated itself to uh, exposing the PCs as frauds and taking down their image in town. And it kind of became this fun thing I got to play with because my PCs failed at interacting, uh, the way I expected them to, the way a a heroic person would with the NPCs. And I used that to create a new and different story hook, um... And I think that's one way of looking at it. Don't think of it necessarily as pass or fail. Mm-hmm. Think of it as different than the way that you anticipated things were going to go. Yeah, yeah. And you also need to think about uh, when, when you're running a game, you need to think about when you're giving them opportunities to fail, if they need to exist at all. So like an example is like if you're going through a dungeon, there's a locked door. Your rogue tries to lockpick it. Like, should you make them roll for it? Like, yeah, but they're going to unlock it eventually. Like, unless there's something chasing them, like, they're going to unlock it. So if you give them a roll for it and they fail, is it like, okay, you don't unlock it. Try again. Like, that that seems boring. If they fail, make them succeed anyways. But say, like, you made a lot of noise doing it and someone heard you and you hear someone coming. 
or sure. some, do something like that. Make it so narratively something changes, but they still sure. succeed. Yeah, you can do that. And that's kind of like the fantasy flight approach. Is like you succeed right. with, like, they failed their role to lockpick, so you right. let them open the door, right. but they def- they did something that alerts someone in the next exactly. room that they're there. Yeah. Like, that's an idea. Sure. That's kind of a, a way of letting them do it. So that's that's outside the lines of the way D&D is traditionally sure. played. Exactly, yeah. Because traditionally it would be something like, you failed, your lockpick breaks in the lock, now you can't open it that way. Okay, right. now the fighter's going to try and bash down the door. Exactly. He failed, it's yeah. too strong of a door. Stand back, everyone, the wizard's going to cast fireball right. on this door. Yeah. Like, um, and that's going to make the noise anyways, whereas the right. him trying to open it would have and failing would have made that noise. So you're just speeding that process up anyways. Right. It's, it's basically, uh, the hardest thing about failing, letting your about failing for the concept of it and letting your PCs fail as a GM is it's not the, the plot that you had figured out. But I would say try, try, it's very hard to do, but try as a GM being okay with letting your players fail to stop the bad guy's plan. Mm-hmm. And then go, okay, yeah, you guys failed your roles, you messed up, you didn't get to such and such place in, the, at, in enough time, and you failed. And hopefully that's the end of your session right there because then you can walk away from it and you can go, okay, let me sit down and figure out what the ramifications of this failure are mm-hmm. and how they can still fight. You see this in TV shows and movies a lot, right. especially formulaic Monster of the Week style TV shows. Oftentimes the first time the PCs or the main characters meet a threat, they're instantly defeated because they have no idea what they're dealing with. Right. And then a lot of times they'll be like, we're going to do some research and we'll find out its weakness. Then they bring the weakness thing in and they try and fight with it and it's like, oh no, surprise, that's not its actual weakness. Right. And it gets to like kill the principal of the high school or whatever. I guess I'm doing Buffy now. Yeah. <laughs> but then they they rally and they have to deal with their failure and then figure out how to come back from their failure to succeed. Yeah. Um, Empire Strikes Back. Everyone yeah. loses in at the end of and that. And it's great. It's wonderful. Right, because then their victory means so much more after yeah. that in the next yeah. film. Yeah, you can definitely use it. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, though. Like, what if you... Like, my, my current position in which I have a limited run, and, and, you know, you're likely... That may not be the case, but you may be running a one-shot. So what happens if you get to the very end of your one-shot and they cannot defeat this thing? Well, that's a one-shot. I would say, like, that's totally acceptable. Like, it's like, oh, no, guys, well... I guess it wins. And and I've actually played in a game where that happened. I played in a game with two other people that you ran, and the monster won because it was too hard for us to defeat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so yeah, that that's definitely happened. But did it feel dissatisfying? I I, I so the other two folks who were playing were new to RPGs. I didn't necessarily feel that way because I've played enough and there was something sort of like, wow, like there's actually something that we couldn't do. Like we tried really hard. Like two of us died and one guy dragged Mm -hmm. the rest of us out as an invisible person or something like that. I don't remember. Oh, you were talking about the Pathfinder game. I thought you were talking about the one shot from the St. Patrick's Day Marathon because that's also what happened. You all died because you couldn't beat that monster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is. But I didn't really think about it like that. But did it feel unsatisfying? No. No. And it was was horror. So in a lot of ways, it's sort of that, it's that, it's that story of, of, you know, of like, like they tried really hard, but there's nothing to defeat this horrible whatever. Right. Um, which is kind of, which especially for that particular story, which was a monster, a ghost that can't really be defeated. It could be defeated. I, I know. You guys but, just but, didn't figure out how. But the narrative that you were telling is that it couldn't be. Right. So, so it, it, but what happened is that became fact. 
Sure. It, it cannot be defeated. They right. they tried everything they could, could not be defeated. That's the story that we told, which is an interesting story. Now, had we defeated it, we would have been like, the story that we told was this thing that could not be defeated, we figured it out. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Mm-mm. So, um, yeah. yeah. I guess the biggest thing... What we're what we're trying to I guess boil all these things down to when you're when you're talking about failing forward, especially for new GMs, is to just kind of let go of expectations. Don't don't think so much about where things have to go or where they need to go. Be open to things going in ways you can't anticipate, mm-hmm. and and try and allow yourself to just sort of roll with it. Yeah, it's very difficult. New GMs often want to plot everything out and make sure things happen the way that you wanted them to. I know that's what I did as a new GM, um, but it's it can often be a lot more fun for everybody if you kind of let yourself be surprised as much as the PCs can be, and it's hard to do. Yeah, but but just kind of try it. Let go of where things need to go and see where they do go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is hard. <laughs> and then react to that mm-hmm. instead of trying to predict everything, I think. I, to me, that that is very much a skill of, of just time, of practice, something that you get better at. Because, I mean, just it's it's like improv. It's like anything. The more you do it, it's it's essentially a muscle that you're uh, exercising. Yeah. Because you, you have to learn to be able to think like that. And that's where I feel like I struggle because you go, okay, uh, I'm going to be open to something else. Oh, my gosh, they've thrown a curveball at me. And my brain's giving me nothing. I think your brain giving you something happens over time and happens yep. with confidence and experience. Sure. So that's also something to consider, I, I think, is just that some of it may just be that it's a little bit of trial and error. And one final note on that. Don't give yourself too much of a hard time if you're not good at failing forward. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, like exactly like what Megan is saying. It is a skill that you learn over time. It takes a long time to be comfortable flying by the seat of your pants in a GM chair. Some people never figure that out, and that's okay. It, mm-hmm. It's okay for you to struggle with figuring out how to fail forward. Yeah. That's, like, give yourself a break. Jamming is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jamming is hard. It is. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the sewed. Yeah. That's the sewed. We went a little long on this one, but we had a lot of stuff to say. It's about average. Never yeah. mind. This is about as long <laughs> as we normally go. Yeah. yeah, they're about this long. Let's edit out all those. Maybe. F-bombs we dropped. Jeez, We guys. do drop. Sorry. Holy sorry. Cow. I was passionate tonight. Kids listen yeah. to this in steak uh, restaurants. Kids in steak restaurants? Man, yeah. Man, these kids eating all these steaks. Lucky kids. As man. they color in their uh, their their steak <gasps> activity oh, menus. yeah. Help Mr. Steak get to the plate. <laughs> this fall on CBS, <laughs> Mr. Steak. <laughs> all right, guys. That's the show. See you in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. This podcast has been a saving throw production. You can connect with us on Twitter at EXP Pointers Pod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at the respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Callerman, Megan is at Megan Caves, and Garab is at Double GXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash saving throw show. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 and up level can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it to get the word out. Thanks for listening.